0: I have learned to say yes to the scary stuff because I'm like, uh, I'm not ready for that. Ah, uh, not prepared yet. Ah, uh, I have never researched that before. But when those doors open, I've just learned to say, you know what, God, I'm just going to say yes. And I'm going to trust that you're going to prepare me for what's needed uh, in order to be successful in this lane. And that's how I'm living my life. It is a, a life of, again, uh, just authenticity. And when you live like that, I promise things will turn out in your favor. They will align the way it's meant to be.
1: Many people define stagnation as not producing or being at a standstill. I get it. However, I would like to add a little weight to the definition and say that I may be producing. I may be moving. However, my production and my movements are disrespectful to the purpose that's inside of me, to the greatness that's inside of me. If that's going on, that's stagnation as well. And that's okay. Guess why? Because I have developed a tool. I wrote a book called From Stagnation to Transformation. And that book was written specifically for individuals that feel stuck, that feel lost, that feel like they're just wandering in the wilderness, that feel like they just, I need something is just missing. It's okay. I want you to head over to com forward slash transformation. There you're going to find a complimentary portion of the book. That's right. A complimentary portion of the book. I want you to read that portion after that. forward slash transformation what's up everybody you are listening to the what now podcast where we discuss ways of effectively addressing life's most difficult moments what's up everybody welcome to welcome back to the what now podcast that's right the What Now podcast, where we discuss effective ways of facing life's most difficult moments. Now, if you've listened to any show in the past, you already know we have taken that word "difficult" out. We've whited it out. We've scratched it out. We cut it out. We've done whatever we have to do to get rid of it, and we have replaced it with defining moments. Why? Because we have the right, the authority, and the responsibility to define those moments and not allow ourselves to be defined by those moments. My name is Clifton Pettyjohn. I am your established voice of transformation. I teach individuals how to revolutionize their lives through purpose identification and execution. I want to thank each and every one of you for joining us today. I thank and appreciate you all for your feedback, your love, your support. I just thank you guys that in everything that we're going, that's everything that is going on in this world today. I'm talking a little fast. Let me slow down. With everything that's going on in this world today, I thank you for taking time to listen to our show. I don't take that lightly. That's why I want to make sure, I constantly make sure that those that I bring on this show of bringing heavy content. And I'm excited. We have a great guest today we're going to get to, but let's do our breathing exercises before we do. Everyone take a deep breath in. Breathe out. Breathe in. Breathe out. If you were able, to complete the exercise with me then you know what that means that means that there's breath left in your body therefore purpose remains and this show is for you it also means that now you are present that's right you are present you're not thinking about your past you're not thinking about your future you are thinking about your now and why is it important for us to be present because it's when we're present that we are able to generate the energy, generate the passion, acquire the tools, techniques, and strategies that we need to apply now in order to produce a future that's connected to purpose. So we're all ready now. We're ready for our guests. So without further ado, I want each and every one of you to help me welcome Mr. Eric Cox to the show. Eric, how are you today?
0: Hey, I'm blessed, my friend. I was sitting backstage listening to you, and I said, Well, there's no point for me being <laughs> on here. You've already got it kicked off. I said, I'm take off running here in a minute. But Listen,
1: yeah. I'm I just get excited anytime we come on because I know that when I come on, it's an opportunity for people to be introduced to transformation in a totally different way. And there'll be people that you'll come on and share your story with that I'm not able to reach. I'm not called purpose or design to reach them, but they'll hear your voice. They'll hear your story. They'll see you and be like, oh, this is for me. I know that what they're talking about today is for me. So I get excited every opportunity I get to come on here and share with individuals.
0: I say, I say, I say. Yes, I receive all that. Blessings to you, brother. I appreciate the opportunity uh, to be of value uh, to other people. I
1: I feel you there. So let's get started. As I told you when we were backstage, I have, I like to start with an icebreaker question. I have about four or five that I choose from. <laughs> I don't know which one I'm going to use until right now. So now I know what I'm going to use. And I think this would be the best one to use. And I probably use this one all the time because it's my favorite one. If you could have one superpower, what would that superpower be and why?
0: Wow. Wow. So I've been training all my life for this question. I'm in my (laughs) office right now. I am a, uh, my old name, I used to call myself Dork Boy. Oh. (laughs) uh, Dork Boy 85, but I I grew up on comic books and my whole office is right, if you could see it, so many pictures of Justice League and Marvel Comics and uh, anime. But anyway, to the question, Uh, one superpower, what would it be? Uh, I guess for now and for time's sake, it a uh, super speed. I would take that one. Mm. I think I would do super speed uh, for no other reason than I am a runner. So I love running. Okay. Uh, so it, it would help to, um, it would supplement my, my running passion. So yes.
1: Awesome. Awesome. I like that. That's what's up. Okay. Okay. So now what I want you to do, I want you to share, you just shared a little bit with us uh, about from even back to your childhood, even to now being a runner and everything. Now, I want you to share as much of your story as you're comfortable with, as far back as you're willing to go to right now, how you got to who you are today and what you're doing on today.
0: Gotcha. Got well. How much time do we have? You say, <laughs> take your time. Okay, take, okay. I grew up Baptist church. So when we say take your time, <laughs> <laughs> I'll go there with you. Uh, so what I appreciate just the opportunity to come on here. I'd never take these uh, opportunities lightly and when energy aligns in the way that it has for this, uh, this episode or for this podcast, this interview, uh, I, I, I just take it as a, a move of God, if you will, or a call of God, if you will, or an opportunity uh, for God's people. And so I am uh, Eric Cox and I grew up in Nashville, uh, Tennessee, where I live now, so uh, born and raised in Nashville. Uh, which is rare. I'm a, I'm a Nashville native. We're called unicorns, uh, nowadays. But I grew up in the 37208 zip code. And I was looking at, I think it was a news clipping, newspaper clipping, uh, last year sometime that alluded to 37208 being the, uh, one of, one of the worst crime areas. Um, and I didn't really think much about that growing up until I got out. And it is it's just interesting how God works and where God places people from from where you're born to where you know God takes you. But grew up in the 37208 area code, uh born in a, a very, you know, humbling working poor uh family. I'm the youngest of five boys and uh, of a, a proud father, proud mother, beautiful parents. And yeah, so growing up in a household where you are you're working poor family. There's seven of you all together. Um, not a big house, uh, not born with a silver spoon, barely even with a plastic one. Uh, you you grow up in environments like that. and You don't really even notice that. Oh, you're poor. You'll be labeled as poor. You'll be labeled as working poor. I was just growing up. I didn't know. Uh, but I do remember. So growing up, having to uh take on things like hand-me-downs from my from my uh, brothers and such and uh I'm not trying to paint a picture of a doom and gloom childhood because I had a good childhood. Uh I had parent I had both my parents uh who who raised me. They had divorced at one point uh but they did raise me. So in terms of growing up, grew up in Nashville, Tennessee, went to Pearl Cone. So uh my firebirds were watching this. So Pearl Cone High School here in Nashville. Um, and then went off to u t Knoxville uh, for college for undergrad co- college and took up uh, communications there and um you know it is something to be said about growing up in just trials, just facing challenges after challenges um, at a young age, and being able to use that challenge, use that those moments of pain and siphon the pain. Siphon it, take away its power uh, to empower yourself and use that to uh, transform lives. Uh, So I appreciate even while I was in the backstage area uh, listening to you talk about doing just that. It is taking back your power. And that really is my message, uh, really here today and also just in my everyday life of just people being feeling empowered. And regardless of whatever situation that you're in now, wherever you come from, where you come from does not predicate where you will be, nor does it describe or define necessarily who you are, uh, but they are defining moments. And so you can, when you're at that crossroad of going this way or that way, it is asking yourself the question of, do I have the uh, 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 um, uh, 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 the power, right, to make better are good decisions for my life to form or have better outcomes for my life. Let me slow that down and take it back. So when I, when I say that, what I really mean is this, I did not come from a place of wealth or riches, uh, did not have an easy life whatsoever, but those are all things that are really just um, excuses, not to say that they didn't have their share dealing of pain, but Everyone gets hit in life, no matter who you are, poor, rich, whatever. At some point or another, we all face defining moments. We all face moments of pain. We all face moments where we can bow out or we can stand up and we can say, you know what? I'm going to keep moving forward. And so that was, that's been my life. You know, I, I grew up, I, like I said, in a, in a poor family, uh, went to school. UT Knoxville was the first time that I was exposed to really a, a predominantly white audience, and I grew up around Black people, uh, and I grew up in the church. Uh, my family is a country family in Carthage, Tennessee. That's where my uh, my mom's side is from. There's 12 of them, and I used to call them the 12 tribes of Judah. Um, they're all still living, so I know that, that God is with them. But um, yeah, grew up in a, in a country church, grew up in a you know religious environment, and I grew up with a lot of self-hate. I grew up with a lot of self-hate, especially around the age of 15 or 16 or so. And I do mention this um, in my book, my book sign up that I I, I put out on last year, but I am um, one, I'm gay. So that's important to to acknowledge. Uh, So I am same gender loving and I grew up in a household. I grew up in a faith or in a religion that seemed to suggest that that was not the way to go. (laughs) It's not, not what, um, would be defined as God's best for my life, if you will. And so I had to learn at a pretty young age um, to survive. Um, And sometimes when you're in a mode of survival, when you're mentally trapped in this space, in these spaces where you feel so much pressure on your life for years and years to come, and you feel like you're on an island of emotion, if you will, and on an, an island really just by yourself, where no one understands you, no one gets it, no one will uh it leads to some very dark defining moments, and so I found myself when I was about fifteen sixteen or so, I uh, became mentally suicidal. My parents had divorced uh of the five brothers I was living with my father, and uh my second brother in line to me who was two years older than I was at the uh still is I'd say at the time, but my brother, who's two years older than I was, he had hit eighteen I was sixteen fifteen sixteen at the time. And um, he had the opportunity to leave out of the household and go do his own thing. He was 18. But under the joint custody divorce, um, you know, rules set in place, I was um, the child who was, in my mind, left behind. So it was me, my dad living in a house. Uh, I felt very alone and uh, also just mentally uh, in prison, really never felt like I could be myself or be be honest about who I was or a part of who I was until I got to college. Um, And it was in college that I uh, came out in good fashion, good dramatic, good dramatic fashion. I wrote a letter uh, and sent it out to all my family, just stating that I have grown up and I have been suffering uh, for years, over 20 years at that point. Uh, And I'm 35 now. So around age 20, I came out to my family, wrote a letter send it out to all my family members so that I would not have to keep explaining over and over or coming out over and over. Not that I needed to come out because that's, um, in all honesty, it's no one's business. So Eric, why did you? So I decided to come out uh, as LGBT plus uh, because I knew growing up, I didn't have anyone to look up to. I didn't have any representation on TV. Many definitely at that time didn't have people to look to who look like them. I didn't didn't know anyone who looked like me, who was a gay or LGBT plus community. And so I thought it was important not only to be truthful about who I was, because one thing I know about God is you're not gonna be as effective as you can be, as you should be with the gifts that God gives you. If you're not living a life of authenticity, you have to be authentic. You have to be yourself. You have to understand that you were created with purpose on purpose. You were created with gifts that only you were gifted with in the way that you were gifted. And only you can speak a message in the way that you will give it. There are several people who are authors. There are several people who are uh, speakers and coaches. But there's no one like me and there's no one like Clifton and there's no one else like you, whoever's listening today. And regardless, if you are one who is um, uh, uh, um of the mindset that being gay is a problem or it's not, it's not the point. The point is, are you living authentically? And it's in that authenticity, again, that you're able to really transform first you, because it's really showing that you love yourself and you cannot love other people. You cannot pour from a place of love. You cannot fully Fully tap into everything that you are meant to have and everything you're meant to take on in this life, again, until you learn to be authentic. And it was in coming out um, around age 20 or so that I just felt a weight drop. It was a shedding of armor. 2020 uh, was a year of many trials for a lot of people. Um, Everyone globally experienced the same thing for the first time, I think, ever history, in history. And last year, if no other year, prayerfully taught people just how to be a little bit more empathetic. Uh, But again, when we talk about last year, so last year in terms of, um, you know, the trials, the pain, the suffering that so many went through, um, it it was a year of transformation. It was a year of uh, kind of slowing down to really reflect and take inventory uh, inwardly. And so I referenced, of course, coming out and feeling like that weight had been shed off. 2020 did that again. 2020 for me was a year, again, of just shedding the armor um, and learning how to slow down. We were huddled up in our home, so we didn't have a choice but to slow down. And we were required to and had time to reflect and think on life. And in my thinking in 2020, um, I was able to, again, just reconfirm, much like I did when I was 20 years old, of just living an authentic life and a purposeful life. Uh, I have two anchors that uh, are my core values, and those two things are legacy and spirituality. And um, growing up, I grew up religious. I grew up in a a Christian household, I grew up in a Christian faith. I'm still a Christian. I don't call myself Christian. But I'm definitely much more now spiritually minded. And so when I separate those two out, because I know those things are said often of religion and spirituality, um, when I talk about religion, you know, I'm looking at the constructs. I'm looking at those things that are pract- the traditions practiced in a certain faith uh, in a certain way. And, you know, spirituality is, is a lot more about us understanding we're all connected. Uh, there's more to it than just this life. It's less about oppressing people. Uh, It's less about calling out other people's faith or beliefs that it might be different from yours. And it's more about saying we are a global community and we're all in this thing together and that we're all uniquely made, but we're all made from the same energy and from the same spirit. And I know I'm, I'm wrapping around a lot of circles here, but it is tying back to, again, just living an authentic life and being okay with just being you. Being yourself, and that is taking back your power. That is understanding I don't need to compare and contrast myself to other people because it's unfair to them and to me because I am a hammer and you are a screwdriver. Does that make sense? Like it is, we are separate tools. We are different. And when I look at you now, I look at you not from a standpoint of competition, but creativity. I allow those who are other authors, speakers, coaches, not to uh, have this mindset of scarcity where I'm competing with them, but I am able to um, ashe them. I'm able to say namaste to them. And I see the light in them much like the light is in me. It energizes me. Shows like this, platforms like this energize me because it reminds me that there's work still being done and there's work that's still needed. And I'm still a part of that work. And it is my goal every day to continue um, just being a light and being a presence. And so Around age twenty, that transformation happened. Uh, I had gotten out of college and I went to Clarksville, Tennessee. Moved to Clarksville, Tennessee right after college, UT Knoxville, and I started up a business there, uh, working with this company, a marketing company. And I took on an uh, I took on an office, uh, negotiated my own lease, and started my office and hired receptionists and hired a sales team, um, and had been in sales since I was about fifteen years old. Um, and started off very well in Clarksville, Tennessee. And in twenty ten, just the year after I gotten there, um, we had a historic flood in Nashville, Tennessee. You should look it up if you don't remember this. So there was a historic a hundred year flood that took place and wiped out the business. Um, the flood came, destroyed the city, destroyed a lot of Nashville too, wiped me out, and I had to um from a defeated place leave that city and come back to Nashville. Now when I say I def- I I left defeated, here's what I mean. I grew up uh poor. And when you grow up in survival mode and you grow up with this lens of scarcity and you grow up with not having enough, um, based on, you know, western civilization and the Ameri- the American dream of having it all. When you grow up with that lens It is hard not to be competitive. It's hard not to be scarcity minded where you think, well, if everyone else is winning, how can I win? Is there enough left for me too? And when you have that mindset, you are hustling, 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 trying to get more money, trying to get more money, trying to get more cars. You need the the biggest house. You got to have the nicest clothes. You got to buy the fancy stuff and show people you can do it too. And that you've come from this poor place and you've pulled yourself up by your bootstraps. And now you're going. So I went to college and was one of the first in the family to do that. Graduated from UT Knoxville, which was a big deal to a lot of people. And I went on to run my first business. And I'm 20, uh, 20 years old. And um, a lot of that weight that I felt like, and this is just self-induced, but the weight I felt like I had to carry for my family to make us successful. I felt like that was all on my shoulders. And so when the business went down, that dream went down too. I had um, a business that was doing very, very well, sales business. Again, the flood came, took all that away. I was um, renting an apartment and I was paying, I was leasing out an office. Soon I lost money, didn't have any money. I couldn't pay for my apartment any longer, my office any longer. Um, and I had a sales team, I had receptionists, I had to slowly start letting some go. At one point, one of my receptionists was making more money than I was, but she didn't know that. I was the one cutting the checks, and I just didn't want to take their money away from them, even if I was struggling. And so it got pretty pitiful and really depressing. And I was like, what is me, and God, why? Like, why even allow me to make it this far to give me this? uh the, the the dangling carrot, if you will, of success, and then not allow me to taste it and continue with it why lord, so lost that um I had to pack up and i had oh and I also got my a car repossessed, so I had a car got that repossessed too, and i had uh thankful I had two cars at the time, one I had uh purchased for like three thousand dollars, oh it was an old Chevy blazer uh I call her bessie, so everybody probably has an old bessie in their life, so I had an old bessie. And uh, I um, remember, oh, Bessie, the door, the driver's side door barely shut. You had to kind of like rig it and like before you shut it, you had to pull up a little bit and then slam the door to make it shut. So that's what I was left with after my other car was repossessed because I just couldn't pay for it. So they called it a repossession. And I had to drive back to Nashville, shut down my office, shut down everything else. I had so much debt, so much debt. I had to uh, figure out a way to to, to pay. Uh, from the loss of the office, but the bills step still kept coming. You know, it's it, it was challenging. Uh, at that time, also, my grandmother had gotten sick. Um, at that time, also, my mother had gotten sick, and she was in the hospital, and I had to drive back to Nashville, and I drove back to Nashville with my tail between my legs, and I just felt defeated, and I was depressed. And I moved in uh, with my cousins, uh, moved in uh, home with my cousins and stayed there with them for a while until I was able to kind of get back up on my feet. And I started working jobs. I hadn't worked a normal job in quite some time. I've been doing sales jobs where you create your own paycheck. Uh I was commission-based all the way. Even my office was based on how well my the office team did, the sales team did. And so leaving that, I um picked up a a regular job if you will. It was also sales, but it was a a salary job plus commission. And it was like a yellow pages kind of a uh, job. And I remember I remember going uh to work and I've been working in this company for a few months and I took a break one day. Um it was a field job where you drive around to different businesses, you do business to business sales. And I remember taking a break one day and I went and saw this movie, uh, which you're not supposed to do when you're on a break. Uh, but I remember I went and saw a movie while I was on a break and it was a movie called Just in Time. And it was a movie with Justin Timberlake. And at the end of the movie, well let me t- the premise of the movie was it was a world or a society where people were not given money, dollars, in order to compensate them for work they did. Instead of being given money, people were given more time. And if you ever ran out of time, then your life ended in the movie. So people were working, working, working just to get more time. And they all had these little watches on. And when it got down to zero, it's a wrap. Your life's over. And at the end of the movie, I remember thinking to myself, if I weren't getting paid to do that job, at that time I said, if I weren't getting paid to do this job, How much longer would I do this job where I'm going around a business to business, getting advertisements uh, for like a yellow page sort of thing? They paid well. But when I asked that question, I said, I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't I wouldn't stay with this more than 15 minutes. That same day, I quit. I didn't have a plan B, no backup plan. I sat in my car, my little Bessie, my blazer. I said, God, I don't know what's next, but this ain't it. (laughs) This this ain't it and i felt kind of like abraham in that moment um and it was a thing of faith it was just i don't know what's next i don't have a plan b i don't have the income but i just this is not where i'm being called to and i'm going to trust you and this is this the smartest plan i'm not sure but i'm going to take a leap and i quit um and the manager called me and said you're doing a great job like why would you leave i said this is it's just not my spirit like this is just not aligned to who i'm who i am and so i quit that job and it was a little time after that, I had gotten a interview with a hospice company. So, this is my introduction to healthcare. I got an a, um, a interview with a hospice company. And after the first interview, it was a Black owned hospice company, too, which really made it great for me. Um, but it was called a Touch of Grace Hospice at the time. And then they got bought out by Hospice Advantage, uh, which is a Northern company. But uh, a Touch of Grace Hospice, Dr. Talipa, I think it was Dr. Talipa. Um, who had hired me in after the first interview, she said, when when can you start? And she asked me what questions did I have? And my my only question was not how much do I get paid? Um, It was, when can I start? And what really stuck out for me was that it was, it was healthcare, but it was serving people. And I realized that was my purpose. My purpose is in serving. My purpose is in helping other people, And if I get paid, you know, I'm able to get taken care of, that's awesome. That's an extra benefit. And I worked in hospice for a few years and then left from hospice and went to my uh, current company that I'm with now. So I am an author, a speaker, a coach, uh, but I'm also at a corporate level, um, the uh, director of training and development or learning and development for a nationwide company uh, that treats those struggling with alcohol and substance abuse addiction. And I've been there now, this uh, this coming August will be eight years for me there. But it was when I said no to that job that didn't align with who I was, it was when I said no to that, that God just opened up some doors. And so when I say it's important that you're authentic, that you're transparent, that you really are walking in alignment with who you're meant to be and who you're called to be, that's why. Like, that's it. It's scary. Every time it is. I have learned to say yes to the scary stuff because I'm like, uh, I'm not ready for that. Ah, uh, not prepared yet. Ah, uh, I have never researched that before. But when those doors open, I've just learned to say, you know what, God, I'm just going to say yes. And I'm going to trust that you're going to prepare me for what's needed uh, in order to be successful in this lane. And that's how I'm living my life. It is a a life of, again, uh Just authenticity. And when you live like that, I promise things will turn out in your favor. They will align the way it's meant to be. And so I I don't want to continue to to rant, but I I do want to just stress that it takes those defining moments, and sometimes several of them before you even get it. Um, But when you learn to say yes, and you learn just to be vulnerable, and you learn just to take some risk. Uh, Because you only get one life to live. And so you don't have to be stuck in a mundane life. You don't have to be stuck in the rat race. You don't have to be stuck mentally in this ideal, this paradigm of scarcity. You don't have to think, well, if everyone else is doing so well, is there anything left for me? You don't have to hoard your resources and not share out because you think, well, I might need this one day because you come from that background. No, let go. Um, we are all connected, as I said a little earlier, and one of the universal truths is the more I pour out, the more I'm poured back into and that's the way this thing is supposed to work out. I freely give and I also freely receive that's love. I used to be bad about that. I used to be one who just i like pouring out to people because again, I like being seen as the one of value. I like being seen as the superhero uh I like being seen as the savior i'm like What superhero gets saved? No, no, no. I want to be the savior. When you grow up and you mature, you learn that's not the way this thing works. It is I'm a blessing to others and God uses other people to be a blessing to me. And so I freely say yes. And I've just learned to say thank you as things come my way, much like this um, interview. It's just a thank you. Okay. Um, So transformation again, starts with just being authentic, being yourself, being your true um, true self, and that's where your power is, and that's where you can remain in peace. You know, with all the craziness going on in this world from last year to the kickoff of twenty twenty one so far, one thing I'm certain of is I I can't change a lot of that, but I can just work on me. I can keep my peace. I can protect my energy. Um, I can work uh, creatively uh, from a place of presence, from a place of now, to address issues and to continue doing the work, but I've let go of the stress of the world. I've let go of the weight of the world. And I've just learned to live in this moment. Um, right now nothing else is happening for me, but this interview, I'm not thinking about what's going to happen tomorrow. I'm not, um, you know, in any sort of negative mood from what happened on yesterday. It's just right now, just in this hour of time. Um, and so after college was over with and after the business, I lost the business and that sort of thing. I took up um, I took up running and running became therapeutic for me. Uh, and I'm not sure what your outlet is or how you deal with things. But running was my first thing. So before I took on meditation and doing breath work, which I love that uh, he kicked off at the start of this with uh, before I learned breath work. And before I learned a uh, gratitude writing and journaling and before I learned that it's OK for Black people to see a therapist and to work through your issues uh, without being stigmatized. And before I learned any of these other powerful spiritual tools, I ran. Um, Of course, growing up, I I had church, I had prayer, which is important too, fasting, which is important too. But I had running, it was therapeutic for me. And so I have my book, my book is uh, Sign Up. So uh, wrote this, published this on last year, Uh, so sign up. And it's um, the title of "Sign Up." It's ten interactive lessons to take your goals from the starting line to across the finish line. And the book uh, came about from my races in twenty fourteen. In twenty fourteen, I took on the challenge of running ten endurance races. Uh, It was a mix of thirteen point one mile, so half marathon, and twenty six point two mile marathons. And I did ten in that year with two of my other running partners. Um, and it was, I mean, I would probably never do that again. I can almost say that for certain. I'll never do that again. Um, but that year challenged me and changed me in ways that I just did not fathom beforehand. And what I learned was there was a correlation between running and life, running and life. Um, the book is titled sign up, uh, because we were, my running partners and I were sitting at a, uh, we were at a diner. We were eating. And we had ran a couple marathons marathons um, before that and, and did a few together. But we were sitting, it was 2013, and we were sitting and we were just discussing the next year. We wanted to do something bigger. We wanted to do something that was more challenging for 2014. And one of the running partners uh, threw out, hey, let's just run 10 marathons <laughs> next year. And uh, we started laughing cause we're like, that's crazy. No, we're not doing that. Um, and then we mulled it over. We thought about it. And we were like, that's kind of scary and it's a little crazy. And then we started looking at all the medals we could win from that, too. And we said, let's do it. Let's 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 sign up. So what does sign up mean? So what we did while we were motivated, while we had that window of clarity, we paid. Hundreds of dollars electronically to be a part of these races for 2014. And so we registered our names and that's what signing up is about. And that's what my life is about now. It is about signing up, putting your name down, writing down the vision, writing down the goals. Um, and so, chapter one of the book in sign up is all about uh, goal setting. It's all about writing the things down that you want to see for your life. Um, and so, when we talk about transformation, it starts first with how big is your thinking? How limited is your thinking? What are the goals right that you really want to pursue, and putting a plan of action together? that is what it's all about signing up and uh the 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 next several chapters uh follow that same sort of cadence. It is uh signing up, and then after signing up, it is then you have to adjust your habits, uh, which is all about chapter two um, and then there's also just understanding your why and behind everything that you do and um yeah but anyway so there's there's life, lots of life correlations uh in the book and there's activities also at the end of each chapter so the way the book is set up is there is a uh section on running for my 2014 year and just my running career overall and um then the second part of each chapter there is the life application so eric how do we take this running stuff and make this applicable to our lives so it teaches that and then there is some spiritual guidance. Um, of course, I grew up in a Christian faith, so I use um, biblical references not for the purposes of converting anybody. These are really just their spiritual uh, teachings that come from the Bible. And uh, uh, the last part is the, the most empowering part because I do consider myself a coach, but I do consider myself an empowerment coach. Um, and what does empowerment mean? It means that I give you the tools for you to do the tough, ugly self-work uh, because the power's in you. And as coaches, uh, as speakers, it is important to understand that we have a lot of beautiful words we can say. We have a lot of tools we can provide. But ultimately, everything rests and resides with the end user, the individual reading the book. Uh, you know the client in front of you. it is what do they do with the information and with the tools that you provided. It's less about you know how phenomenal the coach is and more about their ability to uh, 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 adopt adapt right that information that you've uh, provided them are the tools and so uh the book is the book is just that it's ten chapters, ten different activities that give you tools that really transform your life if you use them. Uh, I believe heavily in A breath work in meditation. Uh, I believe heavily in writing down the life that you want to live and executing on that. Everything in terms of coaching, uh, which coaching is different from therapy. Um, you know, therapy, I I think about helping you to make sense of kind of your life up till now, if you will, but coaching is about moving forward. It's about, okay, you want to see something change in your life. What is that thing? And what's the way forward? What stops you in the past? And what will get you to that next place? And it is just holding people accountable to that kind of life. It's empowering people, right? It's empowering them to be their authentic selves. And it's challenging them to break and scathe off some of those old patterns, the old mindsets, the the self-limiting beliefs, if you will um so that is um kind of where we are right now clifton <laughs> in terms of uh, my life up to this point it has been just a um a life if you will of defining moments like you said and just understanding that the power is in you every day you wake up it you have the power of choice that day irrespective of what trans- what took place yesterday what took place 5 years ago it is today you do have an opportunity to make changes um, toward your best self, toward your best life, but you have to put in the work. Uh, you have to be willing to work and you have to be willing to siphon pain in your life and convert it to power. Uh, and by power, I mean just owning everything, owning it all. Not everything is your fault, but it is your responsibility. It is your, uh, you, you do have the ability to respond to the things that happen in your life and which direction you choose is gonna be on you, but do know it's on you. Uh, And we can blame other people and we can blame society and we can blame a lot of different things, not saying that some of those things are not valid reasons, but again, at the end of the day, it is, you have a change you wanna see in your life. What are you willing to do to make it happen, to see that change through? Um, Again, the book, sign up, uh, so you'll see right here at the top. So it's for your race. It's for your life. And that just talks about the different separations in the book. Uh, but it is 10 interactive lessons to take your goals from the starting line to across the finish line. Um, so, um, that, that's where I am right now. Uh, in terms of just this life of, of transformation, um, we are all connected. And the more we realize that, the more empathy we have for other people, uh, the more forgiveness we give ourselves, uh, the more self-love we have. When we understand we're all in this together, no one's better than um, or worse than anyone else. We're all just in the same race. We're all trying to figure it out each day, too. And that's part of being authentic, too, is just saying, hey, I don't have it all figured out. Um, and I never I don't say any more that I I know things uh but I have learned to accept that i have uh, i'm very educated uh you know I have a I have degrees uh but i but I've learned I have a knowingness about things uh but the more I know and the more I find out, the more I realize I don't know as much as I was led to believe um and even those I've looked up to d- didn't have it all figured out and don't have it all figured out, so we're all striving to get back to light. Uh, all striving to figure it out in this life and figure out what this means um, and wake up every day with purpose, on purpose. And if you never make it to the big dream that you're looking for, uh you know, five years from now, 10 years from now, some of us may not make it. I may not make it to see tomorrow. So I'm using opportunities like now just to pour a little value out. And so just because I don't make it five years from now or 10 years from now to my ultimate goal doesn't mean my life was not of value. It doesn't mean that I wasn't living on purpose. Every day you're living on purpose. You have an opportunity to be purposeful. Uh, and that is to serve, uh, serve others. And that is to, uh, be light, uh, be a light worker, which is an interesting term and it's strange, but it's beautiful. Uh, and that's who we are as people. We are we are lights we are um you know in this manifested world is such a, a an illusion such a veil um and so learning how to go behind the veil and realize that sometimes all the stuff that we've been all the stuff that we've been conditioned to go after especially in the western world uh all the things we've been conditioned to thirst after uh from the clothes to the houses, uh, sex and power and everything like that. At the end of the day when we're gone, just doesn't matter. So what burns with fire, what burns with fire uh, at the end of the day is not as valuable. It's just not. The things we can lose in this life are just not as valuable, again, as the relationships, um, as being authentic and showing up authentically for ourselves first. Uh, because that's part of being integral. Uh, integrity is is who you are, how you behave when no one else is watching. Um, and that's the life I want to live is be first authentic with myself and not put a pretty face on just for a camera or for social media. Uh, but to be true first with me and then I'll be able to show up authentically for anyone else. And I don't have to uh, keep up with lies, I've told, or keep up with the mask right that we wear. And you gotta figure out what mask am I supposed to wear today. You know, just be authentic. Shed the armor, shed the mask, be authentic. From that place, you'll discover a lot of the gifts, a lot of your purpose uh in this world. So um yes, uh sign up is is out, it's available now. You can get it on my website, uh ericlcox.com. Uh you can also pick it up on Amazon dot uh, com. It's available in all formats. Uh so um ebook, uh, audible, hardcover copy, paperback and but uh, audible ebook, yes, paperback, yes. I think I said those all. Yes. Um so they're available in all those formats. Uh but yes.
1: Uh Clifton, listen, I was just letting you t- the the thing I love about this platform is that when I started my podcast, people had so many suggestions about how it should run mm-hmm. how you need to come up with questions for your guests you need to run these segments here these segments here and it just didn't flow right with me mm-hmm. so my podcast kind of takes on a different feel every episode yeah. and there's been a couple of times that a flow has happened like this and what i call it is a master class I don't stop you. I just let you go. I just let you go. And you were in such the flow. And I'm sitting thinking, well, if I did have a question, he's answering all the questions that I had. So I'm just going to let him flow. But I want to hit, you hit some trigger words for me. You hit some triggers, trigger words for me. And I want to go back and talk just a little bit about a few of those trigger words. Sure. Um, one of them was authenticity. Mm -hmm. Um, that is so rare. And I think that has been one of my biggest fights, at least the last four or five years, is to gather as many people together and let them know it is okay to authentically be you. Like that will be the freest form of life that you will ever have when you grasp that concept. I want to ask you a question about the authenticity. And you talk, I laugh because you were talking about coming out you wrote a letter. That's the same way I did years ago. That's how I came. I wrote the letter. Listen, I'm not answering any more questions. This is just going to set the record straight for everybody. So it was like, that was funny because I've never heard anybody else say they did it in the form of a letter. So um, as far as with authenticity beyond that, when was that defining moment for you when it's like, you know, I have got to live authentically throughout my entire life. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, that's great. It is. Um, I, and I wish I had one set answer or one set time. One thing about um, especially being gay, sometimes you feel like you've come. You have to come out many times, yes. at many different stages. <laughs> and so my fir- the first time was I was at UT Knoxville and I went to uh, this church, Overcoming Believers Church in Knoxville, Tennessee, and I was the uh, armor bearer to Pastor Daryl Arnold, who's still there now, phenomenal man of God. Love him, love his wife, love the kids. Um, but did not even share that with him. And it was, you know, you you I grew up in church. Um I was teaching when I was about sixteen as well in church. Uh oh, yeah. I had a key to my church doors. Mm. And I was leading adult uh Bible study oh, and good. leading vacation I'm like and they were like, you should be a preacher. And so it, what my the blueprint, the blueprint that they had for me did not line up quite, you know, from what, from what I really was. So in terms of being authentic, it's just this choking you kind of feel yeah. throughout your life and you normalize it. But it's like a choking. It's like you 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 can never bring all your friends from both sides together because this side knows you in one way. This side knows you in another way and it's you're just living this double life and you're double-minded and so i was in college i had spoken to uh my mama mama tia uh there she is a minister there and i had a dream one night uh and what my dream was i was in a house somewhere cleaning up and i can't remember the all of the dream but it had something to do with like cleaning da da da, da. but i i uh woke up from that dream i Talk to her about the dream because it felt very real. And she uh, was just trying to interpret it for me. And what she said was not, you know, there was nothing like, whoa, like, that's it. Mm-hmm. But I think it was enough confirmation for what I needed to to come out. And basically what she said was, hey, Eric, it sounds like there's something in your life that you need to clean up, that you need to uh, come come clean about. Now, she had no... Anything in terms of like, yeah, we had never talked about that or any of that sort of thing. She just and she just said that off the cuff. She said, Yeah, and it just sounds like that. That was it. She did not know that I had been wrestling mentally with that whole thing. And so I think that, um, within that week, I had called my mom, who was the very first person I called. I didn't write my mom a letter first, so I called her, um, and came out to my mom, who was the toughest person I thought emotionally to come out to. I said, If my mom's with me, then I don't care about anyone else, like as long as mom was good. But I had came out to mom uh, and it was the most awkward thing. Um, But I I came out to her, I called her and I was like, Hey mom. And uh, I actually write about this in the book so that you'll find that chapter nine, but I I came out to mom. And after that, like I felt this kind of sense of freedom. Then I wrote the letters, sent those out and then, you know, it was, it was cool, but authentically like really, truly being comfortable was in phases. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I think it was more like a let me just jump off and then slowly kind of come into my own because right. I also had to deal with my own self hate. Oh, yeah. Uh, and scrub that too. So it was, and then I also had to give the freedom of my family to um, absorb the information, yes. and process it. So I have to be fair in that regard too. So it kind of like it was this year, a, a couple years of kind of phasing into this is who I am. And so it was phases. Okay. Yeah.
1: Now I want to talk about the self hate too. That's another trigger that, that when you said that earlier in your story, mm-hmm. now, how did you begin to deal with that? Was the running, did the running help with that therapy help with that? you know, just growing into who you were, help with that? Because there's a lot of people out here that are struggling with self-hate, and it may not even just be about, you know, their uh, sexuality or, mm-hmm. you know, gender identification or anything. They're just, they've been conditioned and trained to hate themselves, whether it's the mm-hmm. way they look, the way they talk, you know, the way they dress, the way they think. How did you begin to, to, to uh, break all of that down in your own personal life? Uh, that took a
0: lot of unlearning. Yeah. Um, and, and, and sometimes you have to, I work in, a, in an addiction space. Um, and you'll sometimes hear it said people have to hit rock bottom in order yeah. to change. Yeah. Uh, and that's not necessarily true, but people do have to feel it sometimes. And mm-hmm. so I felt rock bottom. I was like, I'm suicidal. I'm thinking about killing myself. I was like, what's the most effective way to die? And when you start, when you're in that hole and you're in that space, there's only one of two directions to go. It's either, okay, I want to get out of this hole and I do want to live and I do want to move forward. Um, Or it's the other. And I thank God that I'm still here today. uh, But it is a lot of unlearning. It just starts at some point. There is no magical, you know, um, time. It's just you wake up. You just your eyes are open and it is this is not in alignment with the God that I've been taught. So the, you know, if we look at God and we teach and preach, you know, God is love and da, 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 da. I said, there's no way a God, one who's been doing this thing since the creation of time, made mistakes with me. As someone who's so perfect, like I've I've seen people in my day-to-day life who are considered experts in what they do. I'm like, well, if you're an expert in what you do, you do it pretty well. Like even on your worst day, you do a great job. Right, so, I'm right, a, really, God, creator of all things, didn't flub with me. Mm-hmm. And I started looking around. I said, "Let me widen my lens outside of just my own hell." I said, "When I look at the global world, right, and who else kind of identifies or works in the same way that I do?" I just I had to just put an, a hard stance on. I'm not. I, I cannot buy into God hates me, mm-hmm. and so it really the the first part was just learning what love is from God, and when I understood that, I was able to love me. I was able to forgive me for whatever, and that's kind of just where it started. It and it's uh, it had its ups and downs and battles and things like that, but um, yeah, the first part of it is just acknowledging. Something someone's wrong. Like what I've learned up to this point, someone's got to be wrong. So I'm going to start researching. The Bible talks about study to show thyself approved. Self approved. So it's not just study the Bible, read this one text. No, it is Uh-oh. learn, research, grow, like stretch yourself, take extra time to just learn. Start so did a lot of reading, a lot of studying, um and became a, a book lover uh, for one thing, and uh, prayer, a lot of meditation um uh, yeah and just the the if you understand god's love like you feel it you know and you know when you're doing wrong things and you feel convicted when you do wrong but just for me living so like i don't feel wrong about just me being alive right. or me just being myself i've never felt bad about that and i feel bad when i do bad things so that helped too is no i don't feel wrong in being gay or being born this way that's just Right. That's like someone being straight and feeling bad because they're straight. Like, no, it's just that's how you were born. Um, now, who are you going to be as a person? That's gonna, the question.
1: That's the key. That is. The and key. that's
0: where I started moving for. I said, you know what? I'm going to take the focus off of me. And when I did that, it didn't so much matter. It was it was who can I serve? Because I'm going to get knocked either way. You're always, especially in this Western civilization in the world, you're always conditioned to compete. You're yeah. all, that's why they tell you and in, in compare and contrast. So when people tell you y'all you're wrong and you need to be this way and that way, what they're really saying is you don't need to be you. And I'm like, that's not God's message. No, for me. No. My message is to be me and take the focus off of me. And who can I serve? Right. And that's just kind of the way I've gone.
1: All right. I have two more words I want to hit real quick. Okay. And I'll be short. You go <laughs> you're good. You're good. Um, vulnerability you talked about vulnerability and i think that is so important how do you or how did you excuse me mm-hmm. lord how did you get to that place of being comfortable enough to be vulnerable because you know with men you're not supposed to be vulnerable mm-hmm. but how did you get to that place to understand like the importance of vulnerability in your own personal life and, and personal growth and development?
0: yeah uh yeah we're men and i'm a capricorn so naturally kind of stubborn too i'm a cap too so i <laughs> so, get it <laughs> yeah um you know dr Bernay brown who i love really armed me with understanding vulnerability in the right kind of way and it really is just a shedding of that armor uh that outward armor we kind of uh hold dear and tight but vulnerability is so sh- it's strength uh my definition for before her, uh, I saw it as weakness, like exposing yourself mm-hmm. to the enemy, so to speak. When you learn, again, to take the focus off you and look at who can be healed from you just being honest. That's where it is. You're never comfortable. I'm never comfortable exposing no. myself about things like that. But I do look at it from a standpoint of if I'm not honest, who am I helping? Right? Who's listening or could be listening to this that my truth could help? not go through what I went through mentally, emotionally, you know, all that. So it's, it's less a lens on me. And it's more of this might help somebody. So let me just open up.
1: Awesome. Awesome. Now the last thing you talked about taking back our power. Mm -hmm. That's why I want to end it at today. I want to end it at that taking back our power, because I was like, that is, I was, that's why I went off the screen. I was going crazy over here because I was like, (laughs) This is my talk right here. You know, this is how we talk. How did you get to that place to understand? Number one, that you had the power mm-hmm. because uh, growing up in church culture, sometimes and I'm not one to attack church culture. I, yeah, some yeah. people think I do, but sometimes we aren't trained and conditioned to understand that we have that power. That is, mm-hmm. that's a prideful stance to take that you have that power. So, how does one begin to understand? They have that much power, and then begin to exercise that power consistently in their life.
0: Yes, absolutely. So one is understanding that no one controls me. Yeah. Um. And when I have now, people can trigger me, mm-hmm. but you cannot control me. Um. My actions are my own, and so when people say things like, "Well, so and so made me so mad, I just da 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 da." So-and-so maybe triggered something for you, and and therapy helps with this too. It is knowing that um, just because people trigger you, again, you have the power to respond the way you want to respond. So how you chose to respond was what you chose to do. Uh, Even if it was a gut reaction or what have you, you have that power to do so. Um, but that comes into emotional intelligence, which is a whole nother topic yeah, I would like to speak about. Another show. And that's about <laughs> it's about self-awareness. It is yeah. uh, you have to learn who you are uh, even before you're in fellowship with other human beings. And, and to have successful relationships, you have to know your triggers. You have to know the things that motivate you, inspire you, the things that lead down to depression, uh, the, uh, those sort of things. Uh, you also have to be able to manage and control. Uh, yourself, and you have to be able to uh, be socially aware of other people, Mm -hmm. their triggers and those sort of things too, and then make just good, strong, healthy decisions around the relationships and your actions there. But it all starts with self-awareness. That's the power. It is, I know so much about me. You can't tell me or control me or say who I am and what I'm not. Like I define me. I will say who I am. I will be who I want to be. And that is, that's the power part. It is saying that, no, you won't name me. You say things about me and that's fine, but I don't, I don't allow those to penetrate and that's, and it's a process, but that's where it is. The empowerment comes from self-awareness, self-control, daily work, breath work, and staying present.
1: Awesome. Awesome. Now, Throughout this entire hour or so, you have given us so much that we can take, let's, let's go to church, that we can eat on in the days, weeks, and months to come, now that you have given us, you know, to really process, you know, in our own personal life and personal journey. But if everyone was to forget everything that you said throughout this conversation, what is one thing you would want them to take away from this? The one thing is... um
0: you are enough that's it like you're enough where you are today who you are like you're enough like whatever negative messages and scripts that you have been fed that you have uh, feasted on yourself it is understanding regardless of what's happened up to this point you are enough and the power is this the problems you have and the things that you've gotten yourself into the, the the issues The power saying that everything up to this point is my fault or not my fault, but it is it's on me in some sort of way. And what's also equally powerful is if that's true, then the opposite is also true. I also then can change my life or my life situation. And that's really it. You're enough. Yeah. It it starts and ends with you with the power of God.
1: Awesome. Awesome. Now, what I want you to do, you did it uh, in your intro as well, but I want you to give everybody the link for your book, give everybody your website, your social media handles, how they can connect with you, all of those things.
0: Absolutely. So again, Eric L. Cox, uh, you can find out most everything at ericlcox.com and uh, including speaking engagements. So for uh, booking purposes, I uh, invite Eric to speak. Uh, social media handles, though they're on the back of my book, and I have to read these because I have a few of them. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, website ericlcox.com. dot uh, com, Facebook, uh, my page is Eric L Cox. Sign up, so like my book title. So sign up. Uh, Instagram is at Eric underscore L underscore Cox, and the last one's Twitter, uh, which is Eric L Cox. Sign up. Uh, but yeah, ericlcox.com is where you go uh, to get that, including. Um, how to purchase the book, or you can go to amazon.com to pick up all four formats, Uh, ebook, audible, paperback, hardback cover. All
1: right. Now, the last question I ask everybody before they leave us is, who is God personally to you? Mm. God
0: to me is... um, if you if you ever study or read uh so Dr. Joe Dispenza, he does a phenomenal job of talking about the quantum field. Um uh, chapter eight in my book, I talk a lot about this, but it is understanding we're all energy. Everything. We're all made from the same star material, same star dust.
1: Stardust.
0: Same star dust. And so the uh the intelligent source that formed everything and keeps everything formed, like the same energy and the same consciousness that has my heart beating without me doing anything right now because it would be a wrap if it was my control um but that god is in everything and all things uh he exists in us and so the fact that you're breathing today you god is in you uh we are god not in the sense of nothing you know religious people like us oh, demonic you can't be talking about that so i mean god has breathed in us and so we are god's ambassadors so god is that universal field of energy, that love energy. Yeah, that's God for me.
1: Cool, cool. I like to ask that question because it's my belief that as long as we live, we will never be able to fully comprehend the amazingness or Mm -hmm. awesomeness. And those words don't even begin to describe who God is of God. However, when we have conversations, we are encountering God because we are speaking to God. We are mm-hmm. speaking to God through each other. So I got what you were saying was with, we're God, not in the, I yeah. got what you were saying there. So that helps each and every one of us because we can learn from each other's journey with God and it expands our conscious of who God is. So mm-hmm. thank you for joining us all today. I appreciate you, you freely sharing with our listening audience, our listening audience. I thank each and every one of you for listening without you there would be no show listening audience i encourage you make sure that you go and support eric in whatever capacity that you can you know we need the book so let's get over there and get that book and then go from there all right as i always say create a great day walk with create a great day walk with power and by all means execute your vision Today is a great day to start your own podcast. Whether you're looking for a new marketing channel, have a message you want to share with the world, or just think it would be fun to have your own talk show, podcasting is an easy, inexpensive, and, and fun way to expand your reach online. Buzzsprout is hands down the easiest and best way to launch promote, and track your podcast. Your show can be online and listed in all the major platform directories like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and more within minutes of finishing your recording. Podcasting isn't hard when you have the right partners and the team at Buzzsprout is passionate about helping you succeed. Join over a 100,000 podcasters already using Buzzsprout to get their message out to the world. You'll get a great-looking podcast website, audio players that you can drop into other websites, detailed analytics to show how people are listening, tools to promote your episodes, and more. So, start your show today by using the link provided in the show notes. This lets Buzzsprout know we sent you and it gives you an opportunity to receive a $20 Amazon gift card as well as it helps support our show.